Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Thank you all for choosing to invest your most precious resource, your time, in being together in this sacred and holy gathering. And I say it's a sacred and holy gathering because we come together with an intention to co-create an experience that will open our hearts more fully to one another, more fully to being aware of the presence and power of spirit moving in through and as us, so that we might accomplish the work of the vision statement of Unity of Fairfax, which is to see a world created of peace, abundance, and respect for all creation. The time is now. I want to share with you a story that happened yesterday at the Reston Pride Festival as we were sharing our Unity of Fairfax popsicles and Skittles and stickers and bags and literature with everybody. One of our volunteers was uh, handing out uh, some information, and a woman came up to him, and he said to her, you were my nurse 25 years ago, were our nurse, when my partner at the time was going through cancer treatment. And she was floored. She said, how do you remember that? And I didn't catch the entire conversation, but it went something along the lines, it's because you showed up with care and compassion when we needed it most. You were there for us. And I will be forever grateful for your kindness and your competency. And she was dumbstruck. He remembered that after 25 years? Our chorus just sang the song, If I Knew, which raises the question, how attentive are we to the impact we are making to others? You see, you might be thinking, I'm just doing my job, or I'm just holding the door for somebody, or I just gave a hug to a stranger who was in tears on the street. I didn't think anything of it. It was just what we do. And these things are remembered. These are the moments in which grace flows through us and as us to co-create a world of peace, abundance, and respect for all creation. Because when one is in the midst of cancer treatment with one's beloved and there is a kind face, competent hands that come along to say, let me help, it leaves an impression all of us are those hands and those faces and those competencies when we willingly show up to be our best self to help others. And we may never know the effects of that. And what was kind of weird is shortly after that experience, I had not one as I watched the thing unfold. And what's really neat, both those couples got married right here where I'm standing. And didn't know it. But what was kind of neat is I had two experiences through the miracle that is Facebook. Yesterday, 
along the same lines. I got contacted by someone who was in my church in Florida 10 years ago who said, thanks for the nonviolent communication class we did. I still remember it. I'm still using it. I have a question. I want to run something by you. It's like, I haven't talked to this guy in 10 years. And he says, I want to talk to you about that. And I'm like, all right, well, come on. Here's my number. Give me a call. And then back in the early 90s, I edited the local gay and lesbian newsletter in coastal North Carolina, where we were living at the time. Not really the mecca of, of gay life, but hey, we did it. It was the right thing to do. And connected with the individual who ran the center out of which this newsletter was written. The center that was started in 1980, in which, as a result of the AIDS pandemic, became a refuge for so many people living with and experiencing this disease. And it wasn't just the physical disease. It was the disease of the culture that said, you people don't matter. You don't care. You're a bunch of faggots. Just die. And there are individuals who said, we will not answer that with hatred. We will answer this pandemic and those folks with compassion and make the world a better place. Because we know something. We know that we are called here to be the hands of spirit in the world. I was reminded of something the Dalai Lama wrote in the book, The Book of Joy. We did a talk series around this a number of years ago. Well, he didn't write it. Somebody else wrote it. He just gave the words. And in the book, the Dalai Lama was dialoguing with Archduke, uh, Archduke, Archbishop Desmond Tutu from South Africa, answering questions about joy. How do you remain joyful in a world where you have both experienced so much hatred? You know, Archbishop Tutu was active in serving in, pre in apartheid South Africa. You know, not an easy place to serve and help people hold up their spirits in that repressive regime. And, and the Dalai Lama and the Tibetans were chased out of their homeland by the communist government of China. And he said, you know, we've got to keep our people together. We've got to hold the high watch. They both said that. They both said, we can't give up joy. We cannot surrender to hatred of the other. We must hold the high watch. And, and one of the things the Dalai Lama said, and I wanted to share with you, is we stand firm against the wrong, not only to protect those who are being harmed, but also to protect the person who is harming others, because ultimately they too will suffer. So it's out of a deep sense of concern for their long-term being that we stop the wrongdoing. That is exactly what we are doing concerning the Chinese hardliners. We do not let anger and negative feelings develop toward them. But in the meantime, we strongly oppose their actions. There is so much going on in the world right now that you might develop some anger and hard feelings towards some others. You know, I, I look at the over 400 bills that have proposed, been proposed in state legislatures this year against the transgender community. It's not even mid-year yet. That comes later this month. Last year, there were 150. And I have to ask myself, what's going on here? Why is it that there seems to be such an imperative 
to restrict the rights and the liberties of no more than one and maybe one and a half percent of our population that requires so much energy. And what are we to do about it? What am I to do about it? One of the things we did about it yesterday was participate in the Reston Pride Festival. And one of the things I loved about that, the thing that was the highlight for me, was at the very beginning of this festival, probably 15 or 16 clergy members led the opening statement and invocation in which we affirmed our commitment, all of us, Jews and Christians alike, that said we recognize every single individual is a creation of the Almighty, worth love and embrace and celebration. That's one thing to do about that. But I was reminded that when we encounter this sort of negativity towards a group of people or towards ourselves, how do we live our faith? I was reminded of the question. In unity, we have five basic core values, five basic tenets, five key teachings. Everything else stems from that. Let's do a quick review. First one, the nature of God is altogether good. I like that. It doesn't, what that tells me is that regardless of what's happening, goodness is ever present. I just have to find it, even if I need to be it in that moment. Second point, every one of us is an individualized expression of that goodness. We, we sometimes say each one of us has a spark of divinity. I'm a lot more than a spark. I think we should all be like raging infernos of divinity, shining our light to the world. Yeah, and, and, and so are all those other folks can't lose sight of that, just as we can't lose sight of it when we ourselves don't live up to our own standard. It doesn't change the nature of who we are. Our third principle, through our thoughts and our feelings, we create the experiences of our lives. It's not necessarily that we make things happen, though sometimes we do, but we always make the interpretation of the experience. Fourth principle, this, this one's four. Fourth principle through spiritual practices, through prayer meditation, we maintain that connection with that which we call God. It is imperative that in our lives that we maintain our spiritual connection. And there are so many wonderful spiritual principles that we have for doing so. So let's use them. And the fifth principle, it's not enough to know the truth. We have to live the truth we know. And this is where it gets kind of murky for us sometimes. Living the truth we know may mean that, like the Dalai Lama, we have to call out behaviors. Say, this isn't right. It doesn't mean everybody gets... It, it means we have to stand in our truth. I'm about to go off on a tangent. And if something's not right, we have to call it out. It is not right to attack the trans, to attack the trans community, the LGBT community the black community, the Muslim community, the Jewish community, the Asian American community. We teach a notion of oneness, this idea that every one of us is an individualized expression of the creative magnificence of what God is. So whenever we see some manner of attack or affront, we're called to do something about it, to open our arms and to open our hearts 
to everybody because as the Dalai Lama was so clear in, those who are doing the wrong, those who are doing the harm, are ultimately harming themselves as well. So we have to hold them in our prayers even as we work to stop the affront. I've been doing that my whole adult life in one way, shape, form. Talked to a member today who was in the Peace Corps doing that in her life. So many of us in so many ways work in those fields of endeavor where we help those where we can. And it is vitally important that we do so. So I want to switch gears for a moment because I don't want us to be arrogant. In fact, I've entitled this message today, Pride, Arrogance, and Chauvinism. What do we mean when we talk about pride? Well, it's June is the month of gay pride. We're honoring uh, all of us who are, who are LGBT plus individuals in one way, shape, or form. Pride really is simply another way of saying, I'm satisfied with myself. I'm a good person. I've done cool things and a recognition of your accomplishments, a recognition of who you are in spite of what somebody else may have said about you. Pride is an important thing to develop and to have. Be proud of who you are. You know, if we were to swap our life stories and every one of us share what happened in your life, we would probably all be just like jaw-dropping. Go, oh, really? You went through that? Wow. Wow. How did that happen? And you said, well, I'm just doing my thing. We, should, we all have the right to be proud of who we are. Because we are all magnificent. There's a scripture, though, that would seem to draw that into question from Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Have you ever heard that? Pride goes before a fall. Oh. The interesting thing about that is that the word that came into English from the Hebrew, gaon, literally means arrogance. Arrogance. So what is arrogance? Briefly stated, it is an offensive display of superiority or self-importance. Overbearing pride. Have you ever encountered that in somebody? I mean, the only person who could get away with it was Muhammad Ali, because he was the greatest. <laughs> One. Okay, there's, that's not arrogance, that's just stating a fact. Have you ever been around that set of energy? Someone's always bragging about themselves, and it's like, oh, for Pete's sake. Sounds like you, 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 you got a hole there in your ego, and you just need to fill it with something. And it could even be any one of us. But it certainly is nice to have accomplishments. The problem is when we get into chauvinism, which reminds me of a very fr famous French person, Nicolas Chauvin. You know, Phil, in, do you all know about who Nicolas Chauvin was? Okay, let me tell you the story of chauvinism. There is a legend that there was a man named Nicolas Chauvin. That's how you'd pronounce it in French. And Nicolas Chauvin was a big fan of the Emperor Napoleon. He was all about the imperial French mission to, to save the world and make it all French. And, and was a soldier and did everything and was injured. But then uh, Napoleon was abdicated. 
and there was a new republic installed in France. But the legend says that Nicholas never gave up his fervor and always wanted to restore imperial France across Europe and the world. And thus, the name Chauvin became Chauvinism. Nicholas Chauvin. So in case you are on Jeopardy or on some other quiz show and you're asked the origin of the word Chauvinism, then you can say, it's a French guy. I know, Nicolas Chauvin. But what happens is when Chauvinism takes over, then we have problems. And Chauvinism is basically that idea that my group or my set of folks are better, superior, morally right, everything uh, um, that is good, and all the others are bad, wrong, and we have the right and the responsibility to trample over them. We ever hear the term male chauvinist? Chauvinism shows up in a lot of different ways. Superiority of this group over that group. It depends on where you are in the world. It happens. So how do we counter that? That's the work, right? First of all, we have to understand what we are thinking ourselves. Am I feeding into that? And why? What am I getting out of that? Am I being quiet when I see this growing all around me? It's a wonderful quote by Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. He said, our lives begin to end when we become silent about things that matter. So if our teaching is and our vision is a co-creating a world that works for everyone, how do we respond when we see attacks against this group or that group or these folks or those folks? First and foremost, we go into prayer. Now, if you look at social media, you'll see a lot of memes saying, enough of your thoughts and prayers already. Well, there's power in thoughts and prayers. Absolutely is. We believe that prayer is the center cornerstone of the unity movement. Prayer shapes and moves energy. Most importantly, it changes us. And then from a point of our prayer meditation, then we awaken to that point of what is mine to do? What is mine to say? What is mine to be? How do I co-create a world that works for everyone? The two have to go hand in hand so that our actions are motivated by spirit, not motivated by hatred and anger, although that might be where we start, but ultimately to realize that those who are doing mean and hateful things, wherever they happen to be, whatever office they happen to hold, are ultimately going to harm themselves. It's a high road, and it's a hard road to follow. And yet our great leaders have said and done this very thing. Mahatma Gandhi used to say, we are, feel very sorry for the English because in enslaving us, they have enslaved themselves. Dr. King always advocated for love. That's what we advocate for. I'm reminded of the quote by the German theologian Martin Niemöller, who uh, who resisted the Nazis, though initially he was in favor of them. He was all about it at first, but the more he got to understand their motivation and what they were doing, the more and more concerned he became. 
eventually wrote a famous passage, and you can find this uh, online or anywhere, really. It is also at the Holocaust Museum in D.C. First, they came for the socialists. But I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists. And I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for me. And there was no one left to speak for me. Fortunately, he survived the war and spent a lot of time after it addressing the notion of collective guilt for what had happened from a faith point of view, not necessarily to make anybody wrong or bad, but to help co-create a world that worked for everyone. He felt it was a particularly egregious that he and other German Protestant church leaders, whom he believed had positions of moral authority, to choose to remain silent. Well, they'd probably all figured out what the cost was but they chose to remain silent. Niemöller spoke out. What would have been different had the mass of Germans spoken out and said, you know, this isn't really helpful. Don't think we need to go to war again. Let's hold a higher consciousness. That sort of chauvinism becomes fascism, and it did. So I urge us all, as our homework this week, to ponder the question, as was raised in the song by the choir, If I Knew, what impacts are we making by the things we are doing and saying and the things we are not doing and not saying? Dr. King also famously said, in the end, it is not the words of our enemies that we will remember. It is the silence of our friends. I realize this isn't my usual happy-go-lucky unity talk. But the practice of our faith sometimes means we need to be uncomfortable. We need to say what needs to be said in order to be in our integrity to not be accidental hypocrites staying quiet when a word would have made all the difference. So this week, I invite you to look at the world around you and then ask yourself, what is the impact I'm called to make? What is the word I'm called to say? And how am I supposed to show up and show out so that I can say, as Jesus did, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I don't say these words to guilt anybody, because i got to do it too, but to remind ourselves how truly powerful we are. Just like that nurse from 25 years ago, who touched our volunteer's life and let him know that when he saw her, he had seen the power of truth at work.
You are the power of truth at work. Peace be with you. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.